<laughs> well, just right, exactly, exactly. And then the following April, <laughs> the students are like, "Are we doing this house again?" <laughs> and I'm like, "You're gonna make the house work." <laughs> I put a lot of time thinking into how this could be better, so you're gonna use it, damn it. <laughs> you're gonna use it, damn it. So far, I have not found a sign. where two professors talk about seeing the light at the end of the long, dark, and lonely tunnel that is the academic year. Now, if only we hadn't put off grading until the last possible minute. I would feel better about myself. Yes. How are you doing, Dave? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit behind on a lot of things. Um, yeah, you know? I can relate to but that. But it's April, and that's how it's supposed to be. That is. It is like, it's like a wave crashing over you. The waves just keep crashing and crashing. Yeah, and, and but then but then the the sea calms down in two weeks, so it's all good. And it's gonna end as quickly as it starts. That's right. That's how it always is. Like, like the day after classes end. That's not true. It will be like the a week after classes end. Like, then there will be nothing. There will be no more students. It will be, like, just calm seas, yeah. you know? Well, and, and for me, it's like this this um, this race because I'm like, oh, okay, I've got, I've got, you know, a week and a half until my spring semester starts, and I always teach a course in the spring if I can. Mm, right. <laughs> and it's like, okay, if I can get everything done, you know, right away, I could not have to do anything. I could, like, take a day off or something. Yeah. Um, and then... They kind of just get strung out. That doesn't happen. Yeah, not so much. I mean, maybe. We'll see. I don't know what's going to happen. For me, it is, um, I have a, I, uh, for some, a lot of people schedule meetings, um, uh, like conferences, the week of finals or the week after finals. So like um, national conferences? Right. So not there's just there is a uh, space weather workshop, uh -huh. which is next week, I think. And that there's a community coordinated modeling center, which is the following week. Mm -hmm. And then there's uh, the CubeSat developers conference in uh, California, which is either next week or the week after. I'm not going to that one. Um, and so I could be traveling like continuously starting next week and like, uh, I, I don't want to do that. No. But I have to go to at least one of these meetings. Sure. So I chose the um, Community Coordinated Modeling Center workshop, which is in Washington, D.C. this year. Mm -hmm. So it's really quick trip uh, or quick flight out. And, like, I, I scheduled my flight because I thought, okay, this is the week after finals, and so there's nothing going on that week, right? Oh, Should yeah. be nothing going on. Uh, and I'm missing two honors events that week <laughs> because of this. Like they just Wait, Your honors events are after the semester? Yes. So we're doing one event on Monday, which is like a party to celebrate the end of the semester. Is, uh, is this the, uh, like for who? For the, well, for faculty, staff, and teaching staff ah, so no so like, no students they'll be like all of the students um who are 
students, not counselors, what are they? Um, advisors, student advisors. Okay. So there are like five of those, uh, those students who would be involved also. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and then there is like the day before graduation, I think, or two days before graduation, we do what we call an honors tea which is where we basically have all the honor students who are graduating can bring their parents and family and stuff. And we have this big event where, you know, everybody gets a mug and, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, <laughs> when you say it like that, everybody gets a yes, mug. <laughs> everybody gets a mug. Uh, no, I mean, it's a, it's a big event because everybody dresses up nice and, you know, it's sort of a formal, uh -huh. like, congratulations. There's no, you don't get any acknowledgement actually at commencement. Mm -hmm. um, so this is, like, to tip our hats to the honor students and gotcha. to give them a shindig and everything. And every year I miss it because, like, there's always a meeting scheduled um, during that week. I am not one, a huge fan of the patting the backs of other, you know, like self back patting mm. sort of thing. Yes. I imagine you are much the same. So it would surprise yes. me a bit if you're terribly broken up about missing honors tea. Although to be, to be sure we have our honors event today and I do yeah. look forward to that. I do. I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot um, because yeah, it's nice to see the students and recognize the students. Um, yeah. But again, it kind of, it kind of wars with my general, self yeah. patting on the back all right yeah. so two things about that the first is i completely agree with you about patting on the back and we should talk about awards like i have uh, a lot of things to say about awards um but the second thing is that these students like have done a huge amount of extra work uh-huh um like they purposefully so to get an honors uh to get to graduate with honors in the College of Engineering, you have to have a minor, you have to take three extra classes plus honors seminars, and then you have to complete a totally separate capstone project than the one that you have to complete for your major. Yeah. So it's a huge amount of work. And really, like, the they've been a, um, there's the, it's a small enough crew that they've all gotten to know each other right so it's sort of like a celebration of of each other and like a good saying goodbye and all, all that stuff and so it's not necessarily like hey let's pat everybody on the back sort of it's more like a we enjoyed having you as part of the honors um program and like we're gonna miss you and um stuff like that yeah i get that i mean that's fine i can yeah. we um we at the one of the things that we do at the honors event is recognize we have tutors that you know yeah and they put in they tutor for free they don't get paid and it's part of the society of physics students yeah. and it's nice to have them come up and like i give them a small gift and it lasts you know it's like a, a minute where they come up and good job it's pretty right. quick um yeah for the seniors every year that i take them out to um, the, the corner brewery and, you know, oh. buy them a small meal and a pint or two. And that's kind of the way to say, Hey, <laughs> we're going to miss you. Thanks for hanging out and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, which I, that, I'm more of a fan of that than, you know, the honors event type thing, but I see what you're saying. I, I think that's good. 
Right. I think that the that the intention is that it's supposed to be more of your second type of thing. Yeah. Uh, except we have like sixty students, so we can't really go to the corner brewery and. No, you got to do it at Zingerman's. Uh, you got to check oh, out Zingerman, uh, Zingerman's events on Fourth. It'd be a real nice time. Sure, it'd be cheap <laughs> you, too. Right? Do you know how much? <laughs> like our budget is only like five dollars for these <laughs> events. Yeah. That's why we have tea. <laughs> Cheaper hey, than coffee. You can get some good tea out there. <laughs> oh yeah, that's <laughs> very expensive. Good tea. I think it's. I think the honors thing is interesting though, because uh, Eastern, and I'm sure Michigan does as well, has like faculty and staff on, uh, awards that they hand out every year, yes. and like it's supposed to be a big hairy deal, and like to get this yeah. award, it's like the best thing you can do. And right. but over the last several years, people in the provost office are like, listen, not enough people are showing up. It's like the, the people that win the, the award and their friends and family, and then that's it. And we yes. need more people. And yes. I haven't really said anything, but to me it seems like I feel like the younger generation just, you know, like that we're just doing our job. Like, thank you for the recognition. Give me a gift certificate when you walk down the hall one day. We don't need a big event. We don't <laughs> need to go sit and listen to people talk for two hours. I don't know. It's just I think that's how a lot of people think. It seems to be a generational thing to me. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I that's mean, totally do wrong. You, do you feel that way? Do you feel like awards are sort of pointless, or do you feel like um, that they are really good recognition? And I, I think that they're pretty pointless. I mean, I think it's fine to have them, but I just don't make. It doesn't have to be. I don't know. I don't. It, it doesn't have to be a big deal. I feel. I feel like it. It would be just fine. Like, okay, we've got these awards. They've been voted on. Here they are. They've been awarded. But there's no, like, ceremony. It's like everybody gets an email or there's, like, a press release in EMU Today or something. Mm. It's more yeah. than sufficient. To me, it's just, like, if you want to have it, fine, whatever. It's nice because the people that win get a, you know, they get some money or something. Um, right. So, okay, I'm all in favor of getting more money. Um, hmm. But you don't have to make a, I don't know. You don't have to make a big thing about it. All right, so my thoughts on awards. I have two views, two completely opposite views of awards. I am definitely in, in the camp of um, what's the point? Like, I am doing my job. Yeah. I, I'm doing my job well. I am adequately compensated for my job. And so, like, thank you for paying me. And, you know, it would be nice if, like, at faculty meetings, like, we all... We, we, you know, maybe the department chair should stand up and recognize you for like doing something interesting and saying like, oh, look, Ridley did something interesting and let's all recognize that he did something interesting. That would be perfectly fine with me. Um, and actually, we should be doing more of that, I think, because the awards are more hit or miss you know like you actually have to do a lot of work to nominate somebody yeah for i was award. gonna say the exact same thing i'm like i could name a bunch of people but i'm way too lazy to actually go through the nomination process and write right. letters and things like eh, not gonna happen yeah yeah i mean the cost benefit analysis of that is um not great well that kind of makes us jerks because you know exactly <laughs> we have That's colleagues exactly. like well you're great but i'm not gonna write this letter because because we don't have time because we're doing our job. we're doing our job, that's right. <laughs> but then at the same time, part of our job is actually doing these nominations. It just seems like... I never saw that in my contract. <laughs> well, so for us, like, 
40% is supposed to be research, 40% uh, okay. is education, and 20% is service. Service includes nominating <laughs> your fellow people for awards and stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel exactly the same way. Uh, and when somebody nominates me for an award, I'm like, oh my God, I really hope that you don't have to do a lot of work for this. Because <laughs> yes. I just feel guilty now. Yeah. yeah. I feel horrible. And yeah. like, if I don't win the award, then I'm like, oh my God, you've just wasted all of that time on some stupid thing. And now, yeah, now I just feel like crap. I don't necessarily feel like crap because I didn't win the award. I feel like crap because somebody spent a lot of time doing something for me and yeah. got nothing out of it. Well, but even if you won the award, they're, they're still not going to get anything out of it. They're still not going to get right. <laughs> they should get half the money. Like, you should split <laughs> oh, the pot. Then people would do the nominations. That's actually a fantastic <laughs> idea. I wonder if you could motivate people to do a lot more nominations if you split the pot. Yeah, but then... <laughs> So part of the service is also sitting on the damn committee that has to review the nominations and choose somebody. Ooh. So now you've just made their life uh, absolutely miserable. Because they have now uh, 400 times more people nominated. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so um, and, and Eastern, these aren't really, I mean, they're kind of awards. There's, um, you have to apply for sabbatical here and you have to apply. You can apply for like research release time. Uh -huh. And those are called FRS, Faculty Research Fellowships. And this year, I was told that there was something like 100 faculty research fellowship applications and then another 40 sabbatical applications. There's a committee that has to review all of that crap. Yeah. Like, that is a ton of work. And it's yeah. just, you know, like reading all these proposals. Yeah. Most of which, I mean, face it, you're not interested in because it's completely different than anything you do. Right. And you have no ability to really evaluate them objectively. Right. I mean, you have to, so it's, they're, they're meant to be written towards a really general audience. And yeah. so suffice it to say, I don't sit on that committee. Right. Yeah, I did I at was, the beginning. I did, for my first two years, I was on that committee. I was the chair of our awards committee for one year. And I was like, <laughs> you have to take me off of this. You have to take me off of this committee. Like, I, I will sit on any other committee. <laughs> in the entire department, but I will not sit on the awards committee. <laughs> it, which is really sad. Yeah, no, but I, yeah. But I mean, I, I value the curriculum a lot more than awards. Right. Well, I guess it's, that's why it's good that there are people that have different interests because right. there are people that think awards are important. Yes. And therefore they happen. All right, so let's mention, let me mention the opposite thing that I think about awards. So, in a marriage <laughs> oh man this yes is, this you, is scary yeah in a marriage you cannot just assume that your partner understands that they have their responsibilities and you have your responsibilities you actually have to acknowledge with words that they are, you know, doing a great job and they are a loving spouse and like you value them. And so I think of awards in sort of the same way <laughs> that 
you need to like if you want to keep people happy in their job and i'm not saying that marriage is a job but let's be real um <laughs> let's be real, at least, we all know it is <laughs> at least at least for my spouse marriage is a job <laughs> One with very little reward. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I think that it is good. There are a large number of people who definitely value words of encouragement and stuff. And so awards are a way of expressing words of encouragement and, you know, telling people that you value them. That, that's fine. I, I don't disagree. But again, yeah. I would I, my my real issue is with the damn ceremony. Uh. That's, so like, um, cap my capstone class uh, is doing this NASA design challenge project, and they yeah. got a nice little article in EMU today about that project. I'm like, that's fan that's perfect. Like, yeah, they don't have to go and sit somewhere for an hour and be you know recognized and told how awesome they are. They just got the thing. They can read it. They can save right. it if they want. I think right. yeah, just quick, quick and easy. Yeah, so some people, so we have an honors dinner dance. You have um, an honors dance? Dinner dinner dance, yes. And it's once a year, and it lasts something like three hours. Oh, my God. Who's this for, um, students? No, no, no. No, this is for, oh, for uh, the award ceremony. Oh, oh, okay. And so basically, like, something like 100, 200, 150 maybe faculty and spouses and everybody show up to this thing mm -hmm. each year. Uh, and they give you a nice dinner and then they have the award ceremony. Uh, and then there is a dance where I think that everybody leaves before the dancing begins. Oh, I was going to totally crash it and see what you were doing this year. <laughs> but I think that, you know, I think some people think of it as like, oh, this is a really nice dinner and, uh, great date night type of thing uh -huh. i would prefer to like go out i mean we get to so rarely actually go out and be alone together i would much rather like go out to a nice restaurant and have a nice meal i don't your, even care if i have your to pay children for it. are grown up what do you, yes but <laughs> i don't understand uh, sorry that's but, totally off topic but you're just like what do you mean are you saying that have, when my kids are grown up i'm not gonna get to go out and be alone with my wife well, because that's I, all that's keeping me going, man. I got to be honest. It <laughs> <laughs> just will end it right now. <laughs> you know, it's I appreciate the fact that you are where you're at in your life and very successful at a very prestigious university, <laughs> because I can look at this and say, OK, note, Pulowski, in 10 years, we're going to avoid what he's doing. Let's just watch what Aaron's doing and just not do that. Take take the turn. <laughs> take the turn uh, like six years ago. And go off to the left instead of to the right. <laughs> That's right. I get. I have this nice buffer. I think that if we could let let's say that we could um, we could get five of our closest faculty friends or three or four of our closest faculty friends and their spouses to commit to going to this, and like we could bring some games or something like that, then it would be a fantastic evening. Well, this was a this was a conversation, <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't even talk about balloon launches, which we is what we were launches. supposed to. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow balloon launches. Um, yeah. Woo How many? Uh, we just have two. Oh, that's not bad. It's not going to be bad. We launched a couple on Wednesday, mm -hmm. uh, and it was lightly snowing, <laughs> and um, 
25 mile an hour winds, man. Oh my god. 25 why, mile why? an hour winds. Why would you? Why did you launch that day? You you had to. We had to because uh, like half the teams could not go any other day. Oh. Like it was the best slash worst weather. You know, I mean it was it was the best possible day for all of the students, and you know the track was not as bad as the day before and the day after. Ah. Like the balloon well, how far went did it go? like 75 miles. Oh my god. That's an all-day affair. Yeah. And um like tomorrow if we were to launch in the morning tomorrow, it would go over 100 miles. Yeah, you can't even do that. Nope, you can't do that. And so uh but by the mid-afternoon, by like 4 o'clock, it's down to 75 miles again. Oh my god. So we're going to we're going to yeah, it's gonna. But do you be... you haven't had any issues of tracking your balloons? No, uh, this time it was really fantastic. Um, they've been using these things called Trackwinos, uh-huh. uh, and Emburst and the student teams have been using those. So we have been putting three trackers on every balloon. Oh my god! And APRS them... people are gonna kill you. I know. I know. <laughs> And we had we had two balloons in the air, so we had six trackers <laughs> all going crazy. <laughs> and and how often were they pinging? How often they they transmitting? I think every minute. Oh my god! Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna take away your license, man. They probably are. <laughs> yeah, at least I think one year one team like decided every ten seconds or something oh ridiculous. God. That is, which would be absolutely horrific i think that i had a year where we did every minute and it was like one balloon and we got somebody got a letter in the mail saying hey please right. you gotta yeah you gotta tone it down <laughs> tone man. it down tone a little bit down. man right <laughs> yeah so um yeah it should be a fun fun day fun day tomorrow well, if you want to come i'm gonna go ahead and take a hard pass bring the boys yeah no thanks i uh i was <laughs> I, building i only i only launch balloons when there's a 10 mile track Right, right, exactly. Where you could just sit in a lawn chair and watch it the whole time. Sit in a lawn chair, go get some lunch. Go get some lunch, exactly. Have a little Taco Bell and uh, and Tecumseh. Yep. And then... um, That's been the standard operating procedure for the last couple of years for us. Exactly. exactly. But I guess I'm I'm glad I don't have a balloon launch this year. Yeah, this year is... The the, um, jet stream never died uh, this year, which is really sad. Ugh. All right, yeah, but let's let's blow through follow up because I, I I think there's just a couple things from previous the previous episodes and I, uh, from our last episode was it last it was the last episode right when we talked about Facebook and I only brought it up again because I'm impressed that it's been in the news for a solid two weeks. Yes, people are still talking about Cambridge Analytica and, and like people think Zuckerberg should step down and I guess it's it, I don't know if people are like abandoning ship because it's so because it's been in the news so much or like I think a lot of the 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 podcasts that I listen to they basically are all saying like uh don't use Facebook anymore but you know come visit our Facebook page <laughs> of like, course they are. Se- seriously <laughs> like no one can abandon Facebook because like they're addicted to Facebook even businesses even the news and it's just like it's just like politics and voting well everybody else should abandon Facebook but I know how to use it responsibly so I'm not going right. I'm going to stay on it it's right like, you know every, every all these politicians are terrible but uh, I'm going to keep voting for the guy that I keep voting for he's fine yeah exactly fine. exactly your team is the wrong team I don't know. obviously exactly. we know where I stand on the subject right 
Right. Everybody abandon Facebook, but come to the uh, X and Y Facebook page. The non-existent X and Y Facebook page. Somebody out there could start our Facebook page for us and then also curate it. That'd be great. And then we should just uh, leave it totally abandoned. Like uh, everything should be on Facebook. That's right. Abandon all hope. (laughs) Ye who enter Facebook. And privacy. And abandon all (laughs) privacy. Ye ye who enter Facebook. Exactly. That's their new motto. There was some discussion on this about like, oh, we need to make sure that everybody explicitly like understands their privacy rights and everything. I'm like, you have no privacy rights on Facebook. You sign that away. I'm pretty sure when you click the button... That says you've read <laughs> the thing that you've not read. Right. <laughs> now, I haven't you... read it, but I'm not on Facebook, right. so I didn't have right. to. If you want privacy, don't go on Facebook. Yeah, I think that's true. I'm checking Facebook to see if we posted this already. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, also in follow-up, we talked about Rocket Lab a few weeks ago, and I just wanted to point people uh, point out to people that might be interested in rocket science. It seems like it's likely given our, our readership, listenership. Um, yeah. The, uh, what, the CEO, Peter Beck? Is he the CEO? Yes. Uh, yes. He did an AMA, uh, Ask Me Anything on Reddit, well, just, I think, yesterday. Um, ah. Which, which the top questions on that AMA, as I was looking through this, almost exclusively high-level detail on, like, rockets and the materials that they use and, like, stuff that I had no idea what the hell they're even asking. It wow. seemed like a bunch of engineers from SpaceX got on and like, hey, how are you doing this? <laughs> Why'd you do it this way? I was <laughs> like, oh, my hilarious. God. People are smart. There are smart people in the world that are just yeah. random Internet users. Right. I was really pretty surprised. Did anybody ask about the uh, Humanity Star? Uh, I didn't get that far. I didn't read the whole thing. They may have. Uh, somebody mentioned it, but not in the context that I wanted to know, which was why the hell did you feel like you had to do this, you egotistical jackass? Uh, but <laughs> but um, no, I didn't see anything about that. I mean, there's a beautiful blog post on uh, why the Humanity <laughs> Star is not a complete waste of time. Written not by the CEO, Peter Beck, though. No, it was not written by <laughs> Peter Beck. Um, the, uh, there were some people asking about like, Hey, are you going to scale up? Um, and you know, try to challenge the other guys out there. And he's like, no, why would we do no. that? We have yeah. this, it works. We, we, we're going to make money. So yep. yeah. keep it, keep it small. Yeah. Sounds That's like a good awesome. Plan. That's awesome. And he's shooting rockets like directly at the United States, right? <laughs> directly at the United States from the United States. No, doesn't he launch from um, New Zealand? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's where that's where Launchpad One is. That's right. Right. So where he's like aiming. If he does polar he's, orbits, he's launching them directly at the United States. Shh, shh, don't tell anybody that. <laughs> it's just gonna, it's going to get us in trouble. <laughs> I think that he got special permission. I would like, imagine from, there would have had to have been some permission. Right. Somebody was asking about like ah, so I forget the question. It had to do with permission to do different launches mm. and whether or not he got them. And they made reference to the FCC. I was pretty sure that that was not the correct agency. Although it could be. Uh, Who the hell knows? The FCC is in charge of actually giving you permission to launch. Are they really? Yeah, because if you launch something into space, if it doesn't communicate with anything. That's true. Sure. I mean, <laughs> launch it. Doesn't It doesn't do anything. Yeah, I guess that's But if true. you actually want radio signals... Uh, then you need to make sure that it's okay with the FCC. And they're the ones who check 
it's crazy. They're the ones who make sure that you're you actually do the like the orbit debris analysis stuff. Yeah. Huh. That you do like will it last less than 25 years? All that crap. It's all done through the FCC. Did we talk at all about um what happened with the FCC and a couple CubeSats? No. From people who used to work at University of Michigan? I don't think so. Uh, so there sounds was, like gossip. It is not gossip. Uh, <laughs> okay. It is a tiny bit of gossip to begin with, but then it ends with uh, with hard truths. Um, so there was a graduate student uh, who actually worked on my CubeSat mm-hmm. uh, cadre uh, and some other CubeSats um, also, um, and a professor at uh in the aerospace department who came here was doing some cubesat type of stuff uh and electric propulsion mostly electric propulsion and then they both left uh after the professor was here for like five ish years they both left to go out to california and they eventually started a startup that was going to do some sort of um communication thing i don't remember exactly what it was i I don't remember but the the general idea is that they wanted to launch um pico sats which are basically like so you have one u cube sats which are about the size of a softball a little bit bigger than a softball and then you can stack these one u cube sats to give you like three u's which is about the size of a loaf of bread yeah three softballs shoved together um size of a loaf of bread and that's what we've been launching like three u cubesats two u cubesats etc mm-hmm. you ask the fcc like uh can i get a license for this and they're like well will it last less than 25 years and you're like yes it will last only two years and they're like sure have a license but with these pico sats they're smaller than 10 centimeters four inches and the problem with that is that four inches by four inches by four inches is the smallest that the government can track using radars. If you launch something smaller than that, you can't track it and you have no idea where it is. Up to, at what altitude? Uh, Any altitude, you can't track it with using radar. Okay. So, because the cross section area is too small. Yeah, yeah, I get that. as you, I mean, it's more about. I figured it would be more about angular um, resolution instead of. Mm. But yeah, as you get further away, it looks smaller. Right. Right. Exactly. That actually, I feel like that's pretty amazing that they can even track objects that small. But it is unbelievably amazing. Oh, side note, I went to um, uh, Haystack Observatory, mm-hmm. uh, where they actually do some of this. This is out in Massachusetts near Boston. Mm-hmm. And we were having a meeting there maybe like five years ago or something when I was taking like photo a day type of things. And um, I was out there and we got a tour of the place and I was taking a bunch of pictures. And one of the guards, this is where they do tracking. One of the guards like came up to me and was like, you can't take pictures here. And I'm like, that's that's not that's not true and he's like it is absolutely true you cannot take pictures here i need you to delete all of the pictures on your camera and show me that you deleted them oh i'm like wow that's crazy and they're because i have been told that they can actually see like 
when they look at a satellite, like a medium-sized satellite, mm -hmm. they can tell what direction the satellite is pointed and everything because the <laughs> resolution is so good. Yeah. Like, they can see the spin rate of the satellite from Doppler shifts and stuff. Yep. Like, it's insane. Well, that is insane. And But then we also have the opposite, right, where we have satellites in orbit that can look down and, you know, Very you can true. see my license plate if you go That's... on Google google maps that is that is scary -er. <laughs> maybe yeah. yes <laughs> yeah uh so anyways these two people uh went off they formed a company a communications company that's supposed to like revolutionize how we communicate and blah 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 they wanted to do pico satellites uh less than four inches by four inches the FCC basically said, we can't track these things and there's no way we're going to give you a license. Mm -hmm. And they launched anyways. Wow, that's bold. Uh, because basically they were How? on, they were on a, on a satellite, like in a deployer on a rocket, uh -huh. right? And the launch provider basically trusted them Ooh. to get the license. Oh didn't say like i need a copy of your license <laughs> before we launch you yeah you know these things get integrated in fcc usually works at giving people licenses at the last possible second right and they basically said trust us we have a license they launched <laughs> they started communicating the fcc was like wtf <laughs> and they're like well you know blah 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 and the <laughs> FCC was like, okay, all right. If that's how you want to play it, your next few satellites, we revoke your license, uh, and your company is basically destroyed right, because yeah. you no longer have a business. Yeah, you cannot communicate uh, using these satellites anymore, and they're basically done. Yeah, they had um, a few satellites that they actually like. They had done a bunch of fundraising. Uh, they had satellites that were um, paid for by other companies and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, they no longer can launch. Yeah. Yeah. That's really bad. That is really bad. I mean, that's not surprising, though. No, it's not surprising. <laughs> no. No, the FCC is an organization that, like, you don't want to mess with. Yeah, yeah. You basically do whatever they tell you to do. So um, along those lines, uh, when you launched your balloons on Wednesday, was it 50% clear? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I, just, I was just checking. I mean, you said it was snowing because I'm sure there's spotty clouds. It was, there were actually spotty clouds. Uh, but, I mean, the FAA, so it's totally different than the FCC. It's yeah. the FAA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and as long as you're under 20, 12 pounds, 12 pounds, then you can pretty much do whatever you want. <laughs> that That is the rumor. <laughs> it's not the rumor. It is actually... <laughs> no, I don't think it's not... I don't think it's described very well in that document. I agree that it is not described well in the document. Uh, the FAR 101 regulations, it is not described well. But... After years and years <laughs> and years of calling in and saying, like, we are doing a balloon launch and our payload is nine pounds and we're going to follow this um, trajectory and them saying, we don't care. <laughs> That's insane because I call in and they say, OK, give us your information. Yeah. They don't tell they have told us, but not every time. It's yeah. so. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is really insane. It's like the left hand not talking to the right hand. You know, it's whoever you get on that particular day if they actually care or not. That's true. But, you know, I mean, the thought is that under under 12 pounds, you're not going to bring an uh, airliner down. Hopefully. Jesus Christ. That is... That is one of my worst nightmares. That that time period when you launch and you're like, all right, we let's get through 30,000 feet. Yeah, let's get above 35,000 feet, please, please. And you're like, it's, the sky's real big, but I don't know. Oh, is that right. plane? The plane's heading right towards it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. The nice thing is that they can, you know, they can see those balloons. The, yeah, but it's coming I, up from underneath. It's like a shark in the water. It's going to get you. They can't see it. It's coming up at them. <laughs> it's not moving. It's not coming up that fast. Like they can, they're moving much, much, much faster than the balloon is moving. Yes, agreed. There. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how much lead time they would have to like. I don't think that they would take evasive maneuvers from the balloon. Oh my god! I don't even <laughs> want to think about this. I mean, the worst scenario, Dave, is coming down. Oh, yeah, because you can't see anything. You can't see it at all. There's no balloon there. All there's you can a radar see is reflector. Like the radar reflector, right. Yeah. And in our case, a bunny. So. A bunny. <laughs> yes. The floating bunny. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Um, that was follow-up. Let's jump into Science of the Week, which shouldn't take us too long. Many people might know, but... Uh, you're lucky if you didn't get smacked in the head by a Chinese space station this week because uh, it came down. It came down. The Tiangong like last... 1 came down, yeah, right. last what day? Uh, Sunday night, Monday morning? Yeah, yeah. Depending on your time zone. There was talk that it might land in Michigan. Oh, my God. Whatever. <laughs> yes. Somebody hey. wrote a blog post about it. Somebody got interviewed for the local news about it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the headline was like Michigan is definitely going to be covered in <laughs> Chinese space station. Everyone will die. When the actual quote was like, "You might as well play the lottery because you have a better chance of winning that than actually getting hit with this thing." Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I think it's you know, but uh, the thing that I think is interesting is like stuff like this. This day and age is supposed to be controlled you know deorbit in a controlled fashion um right but this particular whatever. spacecraft they what do you mean whatever you send well, something up there like this you should be able to control it throughout its anticipated lifetime right the, no what do you mean that's, no that's not how it works at all for something this size it absolutely it was they were supposed to have control and reserve fuel left over so that they can deorbit when it's supposed to be deorbited do you think that that actually happens do you honestly think that satellites like that actually, like, deorbit in a controlled way? I'm not saying controlled. Uh, controlled insofar as, okay, we're going we're gonna to fire the thrusters right. uh, in, the, in the opposite direction to our motion at this time so that we know with 100% certainty that we're going to land in that big old puddle down there. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, controlled in that regard. I, I mean, I, that, I, I'm not an expert. You're more of an expert than I am. That's not how it works. Um, I think that in practical terms, that is not how it ends up working. So when the International Space Station eventually deorbits, oh god, that's going to be oh, 
We're cross your fingers. Yeah. I mean, I understand the percentages, but it's not it's no. not a thousand to one. I mean, there's not that little land. I think that the International Space Station, because it's so massive, that they will um, do a controlled burn for that. Yes. But I think that there are a lot of satellites that are at higher altitudes, say 500 kilometers or something, and they just stop working and they eventually just come down. Yeah, but I, uh, so my, my assumption is that you have some reasonable knowledge about what size satellite it requires, how much mass yes. you have to have to get over that limit where, okay, this is not going to burn up on reentry. Right. Is that not the case? I mean, there's got to be, I have to imagine there's a ton of research on this. Like, okay, if it's, if it's this mass, this density, whatever. Yeah. The mass itself doesn't matter too much. It is, it is somewhat. um, All right. So there are two steps to this. The first is that there are some software that NASA puts out that you can enter like every single item on your satellite. Like you take an inventory of every single item what its mass is and what its composition is like is it made out of aluminum if it's aluminum it's probably going to burn up unless it's some gigantic hunk yeah yeah yeah. is it steel right it's probably probably not going to be steel but there's (laughs) a lot of like tungsten Mm -hmm. and um titanium and stuff that does not burn up very easily sure yeah so and so how that much will material make it with the materials? Yeah, and so that, right. but you, you, I assume before you launch, you you know, like okay, we don't expect yep. this. Yeah, and if if you're like it's going to make it down to the surface, then you should have a plan for deorbit. Um, okay. Tell me this is how it works, Aaron Rose. I'm 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 digging a hole and I'm living in a bunker. <laughs> well, I mean, nobody has died because of something coming in that we know of. We yeah, I think it would be in the news unless it was like. In somewhere in the middle of like Africa or somewhere out in um, you know off an island somewhere and middle of the know, outback in Australia where uh, middle Skylab of the landed, right? But there aren't very many people out there. <laughs> I guess somebody could have died, you know. But it's just, just I mean, know. like with all the engineering and all the technology and all the thought that goes into launching a satellite and a rocket, yeah, you you're not just going to say okay, we've got a deorbit plan. And this yeah. is what, and that isn't followed. That's just All right. they basically ignored. Um, I think what ends up happening with something like NASA missions, I think almost every mission, almost every, well, okay. So I would say that you basically everybody keeps asking for more time because you've spent, uh, you know, three hundred yeah, yeah, yeah. million dollars to get up there, right. a billion dollars to get up there, and so you keep using this as long as you possibly can and the right thing to do would then be you know when you have when your gas tank is a little bit above empty then you put it down into the ocean yeah that's what you hope would happen but then what ends up happening is that your satellite is 10 years old and you know you get single event upsets and something goes wrong with your satellite and before you have that chance to bring it down like all of a sudden it no longer communicates anymore. <clears throat> so that happens. Yeah, I, well, I'm sure that happens. Um, like the UR satellite was um, a perfect example. I don't know why it stopped working, but it stopped working. It's the size of a school bus that re-entered the atmosphere hmm. uh, in an 
uncontrolled way. Yeah, I mean, it's gigantic. It was one of the bigger satellites up there. Um, they have upper stages of rockets that they do this with, too. Those re-enter the atmosphere all the time in uncontrolled ways. I always assume that the upper stages, did the, but those always burn up on re-entry, right? Or no. No, Google searched, like, images of upper stages re-entering or something. I mean, th these are the things that you, like, see people standing in the desert with something that's, like, the size of a minivan, like, laying next to them. Hmm. Those are scary, man. Oh, yeah, there's an image right there. I can't imagine that's very... That happens often. Yeah. Every time there's a launch. Huh. Not not necessarily every time. Well, I think so. If it's a solid booster, if it's a solid booster, they have no ability to bring it back down. Where are those jettisoned? Because I thought that those are jettisoned before they cleared the ocean. That not the case. So like the Pegasus, our Pegasus. I don't know where the first stage stopped. I mean, the Pegasus deployed us at 525 kilometers altitude deployed Cygnus at 525 kilometers altitude, and it was basically able to maneuver a little bit out of the way of the spacecraft, mm -hmm. but um, it's still up there. If you actually go and track it, it's still in the same orbit plane as Cygnus, just a tiny bit lower, I think, yeah. than Cygnus. And so, like, it's going to completely come into the atmosphere uncontrolled. Yes, and burn up on re-entry. That has to be the expectation, though. I know that there are examples of things landing on the ground, but I can't... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm gritting my teeth right now because, uh, yes, you believe that it should re-enter uh, and burn up. That's, that, that's definitely, definitely what's going to happen, Dave. That's I mean, I, I totally understand happen. that. It's extremely mm -hmm. unlikely that it lands on land if it, doesn't, yeah. if it survives re-entry. Yep. And then even more extremely, extremely unlikely that it lands near a person. Right. But point still, six, point six percentage of the um, land mass on the on Earth is covered with man-made stuff. Concrete. Right. Okay. And blah, blah, blah. So, is covered with garbage. <laughs> that could be. That could be. <laughs> then it's uh, up to four <laughs> percent. Uh, all right. No, I mean, uh, again, yeah, I totally understand the numbers. I just, like, again, there's so much thought that goes into the, all these missions. Like, yep. it doesn't seem, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it, co it costs more money to have that extra fuel, and it costs more fuel to have that extra fuel. Uh, right. I get it. But, like, like, a Pegasus is a solid rocket booster, and so they can't restart the engine. Like, once it's burned out, it's burned out. So then you would have to add, like, a liquid-fueled right. yeah, portion. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is much more complicated much more complicated yeah. and so they play the odds yeah they they roll the dice well, except plus, that it's a 15 million sided dice and it has to just turned up yeah. turn up one you know the peg so you said the pegasus ejected you at what altitude 525 wow i didn't know that that was they went up that high yeah if you don't have very much mass it can go okay. up that high hmm. and we had 200 and some odd kilograms 240 kilograms something like that hmm. so it's pretty small well that's gonna be up there for a long time it's gonna be up there for like eight years or so yeah yep by that time we'll all be dead we <laughs> 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 won't have to re worry about the re-entry 
Trump will be at the end of his uh, second term. Uh, on that the note, trade, the trade war with China will have escalated into nuclear. Um... <laughs> All right. On that note, um, <laughs> my time is running short. So let's move on to recommendations before we, yes. we have a sign off. Yes, you uh, you do your recommendation and I will think of a recommendation. Okay. Um I don't think I've recommended this yet. I'm, I'm getting a little fuzzy, but uh, I recently read the second book in the Ark of the Sky series that we talked about before. Oh, yeah. Uh, the book's called The Thunderhead. Um, and I, I enjoyed this book because it, um, it, it focuses more on, if you remember the book, the Thunderhead was like this AI type thing that kind of oversaw all of civilization, yes. except yes. for the, the skies, the people right. that go around killing the people to control the population. <laughs> Yes. And so there's kind of a little bit more insight into the the thought patterns of the AI. Yeah. Um, which raised interesting questions that we tend to talk about on this podcast. Huh. Um, and so it got into that a little bit and made me think a little bit about, oh, what are the dangers of AI and uh, again and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting book. I think it was more of a um, – it was a little bit of a uh, – what's the word? Um it didn't resolve a lot of stuff because there's mm. clearly going to be a third book. So right. some things happened and then they were, you know, just kind of ended. Um, yeah. So that wasn't my favorite bit, but I still thought it was really interesting. I read it pretty quickly. Huh. So check out the Thunderhead by, I always get their names mixed up. It's not Brandon Samuelson. It's somebody else, but the, you can, you can find it on the Google, the Thunderhead. It, it, it was good. All right, I will put a link in the doobly doo. Oh my god, we're going full on Hank and John now. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I've been listening. I listen to Cortex. Uh-huh. I know that you hate Cortex. Well, I don't. I listen to one episode. And I'm like, I don't get the point. So maybe if I listen to more. Um, oh no, you definitely like. You definitely get the point, but you are not interested in the point. I like. I think CGP Gray is an interesting guy, but he's he's not God. He right. In fact, right. he's pretty much a robot. <laughs> robots aren't that right. interesting. <laughs> yeah, he basically like this is a podcast about him talking about like work efficiency and yeah. stuff like that. Oh my yeah. god! So it's um, basically how to redesign your life and make it more efficient, <laughs> um, which is more robotic. More robotic. Yes, you would be a perfect human if you were a robot. <laughs> I think that is the that is the story for Cortex, um, and any time that it's like I listen to it and uh, like Joey is in the room, she just uh, like rolls her eyes. <laughs> like it is really, it's really bad in that regard. Like they so... spend, they'll spend an entire episode talking about like the home screen of their phones. I do get really into the home screen. I, I really like to show off my home screen when I change it. But yeah. mainly just to rub it in the face of Apple people that have so little. And, and he's an <laughs> Apple person. He, uh, all right, I don't but know why he, I'm talking about this. Yeah, he uses like folders and stuff on the home screen yeah. and stuff. And, and he wants it all to be color coordinated. And your background <laughs> image has to accent accent like the apps that you put on it and I stuff do like agree that. with that yeah exactly exactly like this is the problem is like everything that he talks about i'm like yes you actually make a lot of sense this makes sense do i need an hour and a half podcast to tell me these things no i do not but it all it just makes so much sense well, this was the um, best worst recommendation i've ever heard <laughs> yes and you know some of the things are like 
like you should really every day or every week or something, you should look at your calendar and block out time for stuff, you know, and Says actually somebody that is has zero children. <laughs> right, that's very true. That is very true. But like if you I mean, if you sat down at the beginning of the week and you said, OK, you know, where does Ben's uh, when when do I have to take Ben to soccer and who's going to do that? And how am I going to then how do I fit a half an hour of work into this day while, you know, Ben is at soccer and Ethan is at uh, like kickball or whatever, it is, or, you know, and, and so he tries to optimize like time, you know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, that I know. type of thing. And when you live in an idealized world, <laughs> it it's it's very nice to do those things. So, yeah. you know, I think it's important for a guy like him, like that, who is 100 percent dependent on his own scheduling. Right. Yes. Like, yeah. You know, it's just he runs his own. But most normal humans. Yes. <laughs> like I teach class and, you know, I've got schedule. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, fair yeah. enough. You're allowed. To, you're allowed to enjoy the podcast and recommend it. Enjoy is a very strong word, <laughs> but recommend it nonetheless. The recommended. Yes. If you want to learn something about managing time and efficiency and all sorts of stuff, check out uh, Cortex. Cortex. Right. I interesting. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. You should all probably right. also like Hello Internet, too. Well, I'm saving that one. No, I'm I mean, I'm just one. saying that, like, it, it, I feel like it's a prerequisite. It is a prerequisite, yes, yes. If you don't listen to Hello Internet, you have to listen to Hello Internet. All right. Well, you can recommend that some other time. <laughs> yes. Forget what I said about Hello Internet. Just make sure that you listen Pause to it. Now. Pause now. Exactly. All right, man. I got to go to a meeting. All right. Why don't you, uh, do you want to take us out or oh, do you right. want me to we take us out? The closeout. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's been it's been great podcasting. Uh, we'd like to thank the University of Michigan, the Eastern Michigan University, the National Science Foundation for helping make this podcast conversation uh, and set of very serious recommendations possible. Uh, we'd, we'd certainly like to thank Kenny Carlson for his fine, fine work doing the editing for this podcast because neither you or I would do it, that's for sure. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> and if you'd like to talk, we've, we've had a little bit of action on the Reddit. It's always fun to hear people asking questions and getting into dialogue. I, I would probably spend my whole day having discussions there and thus be a much worse professor for it. But it's fun to hear um, feedback. We've gotten some emails. We've gotten some Reddit comments. It's it's just, it's great. It's great. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's exploding. Oh, yeah. It really is. We must be up to like seven <laughs> listeners now. <laughs> At least. Uh, but anyway, doubled. you can you can find those things at uh, Reddit slash R slash no Reddit slash R slash X and Y. Yeah, I got that right. X and Y. X yep. and Y. And then uh, the the email address uh, X and Y podcast at Gmail. Awesome. Dot com. Yeah. Thanks, Good talking to you, Aaron. Nice talking to you. Also. All right. Have a great podcast. You too. See ya. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that.